the Bible says that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. Well, that was John speaking at the end of the first century. Uh, way back then, that spirit of Antichrist was already at work. If you would turn to Revelation chapter 13, and I want to look at that a little bit, but this spirit of Antichrist is working diligently. Our job is to keep him out of the church. I heard a, a minister uh, this week, and he said, he said, we Christians are a, a paradox or a conundrum to the world. Because they, the world hears us say that we believe such and such things, but they see us behave in a way completely counter to what we claim to believe. And that's unfortunate because the world is right so many times. <laughs> they're, they're, they're right with that. And it should not be the case. And we know that the enemy is raging. The Bible says, be sober and be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, walketh the wrath about seeking whom he may devour. He is going to do whatever he can to bring division into the body of Christ. He has been uh, very successful at that down through the years. Churches that I see that are strong are churches that are undividable, in a sense. Uh, in our church in North Carolina, we had, you know, six, seven thousand people, whatever it was. But you never heard anybody speak against the leadership of the church. You never heard anybody speak against the church there. And I'm not saying this is not about the church as a building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Uh, and I preached on that several weeks ago that the church has been turned into an institutional thing. And it should not be. The church is a, a relational thing. We are the church. Everybody that is saved, born again, on their way to heaven is the church. And what, what always impressed me about going to Central and there in Charlotte was that you didn't hear that go on. And here I was uh, at, at another church where, where we were attending that you couldn't walk in the church without hearing all about what everything they didn't like well, that went on that week. I mean, literally, you'd walk in the church, there'd be like four or five little groups. And then you go over to one, and they're, oh, the pastor did this, the pastor did that. And you go over here, and the elders did this, all the time. It was like insane. You'd walk, I called it the fighting church. We had fist fights at the, at the altars. How do you go to the altar and get in a fist fight? Somebody explain that to me. Uh, what was it? <laughs> yeah. What was it? The, the youth pastor and the music director's wives, I think, got in a fist fight in the hallway one day. I had to break them up. We had fist fights in the parking lot. Now, this may come as a surprise to you folks, but that shouldn't happen at church. <laughs> this is called the spirit of Antichrist getting into the church, is what this is. God brings unity, the devil brings division. I heard a preacher say one time, I agree with him, he said the biggest uh, enemy that the church has ever had was the telephone. <laughs> wow, there's a lot of truth in that one. It takes exactly one minute to be able to air, to get somebody on the line and air all the things that you don't like that's going on. Yeah, now it's on the internet. You get on the chat right here. Or I'm going to Facebook that pastor. <laughs> God does not 
work in division. God worked in unity. Revelation chapter 13. Are you there? Yes. I gave you plenty of time. You should be there. Yes. And it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power and his feet and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto, unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwelled upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Father, I pray that you will open your word through your spirit. Your, your word tells us we can't even understand this word without your spirit. And I pray that your spirit will give us truth today. Help us to understand what you're telling us in Jesus' name. Amen. When you talk about the Antichrist, there has been so much down through the years trying to figure out who it is. Just about every world leader has been labeled Antichrist at one point. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt started, uh, was trying to put together this worldwide United Nations so the, the evangelical community rose up. He has got to be the Antichrist. He's bringing in the one world government. And then John Kennedy, he was a Catholic and everybody knows that Catholicism is the Antichrist. So John Kennedy had to be the Antichrist. Well, then he was shot in the head. Oh, well, he's shot in the head. He's going to come back, and he's definitely the Antichrist. Hitler's been called the Antichrist. Gorbachev, oh, he had a big mark on his forehead. He's definitely the Antichrist. Henry Kissinger. And now, Barack Obama. I have been asked many times, is Barack Obama the Antichrist? <laughs> And incidentally, on the day that he won the election in, in uh, 2008, the Illinois winning lottery ticket number was 666. Got to be the Antichrist. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be. <laughs> and so we speculate. My mother used to call me the Antichrist. I'm relatively sure I'm not him. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I heard one pastor say, or read what he said, this is what he said, the Antichrist, Obama, will cancel all the world's debts in 2015. He will end the Middle East conflict with a peace treaty between the Israelis and the Palestinians and introduce a one world economic system and secular humanist religion. He has a lot of faith in Obama. <laughs> Just for the record, do I think that Obama is the Antichrist? Probably not. Is Obama an Antichrist? Yes, he is. There's a difference. And this is what 
the scripture tries to tell us the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. We need to not be looking for the man, the flesh and blood. We need to be looking for the spirit of Antichrist. This spirit is what will tell us who the man is when the time comes. Now, is this important? I mean, most, and I don't think anybody is, is deceived on this, that I am not a pre-tribber, and anybody who doesn't know what that means, basically, uh, the, the common belief is that before anything really bad happens, uh, before the Antichrist comes onto the scene, before anything, uh, the tribulation, all that, the church will be secretly whisked away in, into a rapture. Man, I hope that's true. But scripturally, I just don't see it. I just don't see it anywhere. I have, I have listened to the best they've got, and I sit there and go, huh? <laughs> when they're trying to twist and contort scripture into a viewpoint of this pre-tribulation rapture. Again, I pray I'm wrong. <laughs> Man, that would be wonderful. <laughs> but... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you'll go there. I want to read a passage, and I could go on quite a while on the rapture, but that is not what I feel is on my heart today. But I just want to read this, because I feel like it's one of the clear indicators. A little background, Paul had written the book of 1 Thessalonians, and you know what he said. In chapter 4, the Lord himself should descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we which shall ever remain should be caught in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. <laughs> when the church of Thessalonica got that letter, they took that passage there as meaning the Lord was coming back at any time. And some of the historical writers have told us that they basically just, you know, kicked back in their lawn chairs with iced tea and waited for God to come back. Well, Paul could not get back to address that issue because he was in prison, which is always a hindrance to trying to get anywhere. And so he wasn't able to get there to do anything, so he wrote the book of 2 Thessalonians. And then he made it quite clear to me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Are you there? Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering unto him. What would that be? The rapture, right? That is the, the rapture. So he's beseeching us by the coming of the Lord, by the rapture, that he be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit nor word nor by letter as from us that that day of the Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except... There come a falling away first. We are seeing that. I think I preached on that, what, two weeks ago? Something like that. That we are seeing this falling away. Second thing he says, uh, and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Who is that? The Antichrist. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or is that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And I just throw that out there as a basis. Uh, it's, one, it's one of the clearest things in all the scripture, in my opinion, that tells us that, that there's got to be a falling away, which we're in the midst of, or I think we're just in the very beginning of, we're just starting to see it. Second of all, the, son, the man of perdition has to be revealed. We will know who this Antichrist is. Our problem is, we as human beings love uh, to infer, I guess is the word you would say. And so we have this instruction that tells us that he is 
His number of his name is 666. <laughs> and his name is blasphemy, which is quite interesting. Barack Obama, uh, Barack, in the Strong's Concordance, number 1288, the name Barack is in there. The word Barack is in there. One of the definitions for the word Barack is blasphemy. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> Again, I don't believe he's the Antichrist, but it is intriguing. Um, so this Antichrist will be revealed, and we as human beings, want to, we want to label somebody. We want to find somebody. He's got to be. How many times have we heard, he's, like, he's in the world today. He's walking around here somewhere, and we're in this hunt looking for the Antichrist. Let me tell you something, church. God never told us to look for the Antichrist. Who did he say? Look up for your redemption, draw nigh. He tells us to look for the glory of God, to look for him, the Son of God. He doesn't want us running around hunting for an Antichrist. Believe me, when he shows up, you will know it. You know, everything's cool in your house, and all of a sudden there's a rattlesnake in the middle of the floor, and you know he's there. You don't have to look for him. You know he's there. This Antichrist is going to rise up, but God doesn't want us seeking an Antichrist. He wants us seeking the true Christ. Because Man. the faker, the deceiver, is not what we're about. When we focus on the negative, when we focus on the bad things, it takes our victory away, folks. It does that. That's right. You know people that can't ever say anything happy. Everything's bad. The church is bad. The pastor's bad. The music's bad. Everybody in the church is bad. When you talk to them, the first thing out of their mouth is what they don't agree with that happened at church. Right? <laughs> so there's something they didn't agree with. Have you ever known one of those people to be a happy person? No. They're miserable people. God does not want us focusing on that. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever, th whatsoever things are good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, what? Think on these things. Wow, if the church could get that through. The devil would never bring division into the body. Let somebody call you up and start telling you how bad they can't stand your kid. How long would that call last? <laughs> and yet, if we're not careful, we'll let that same thing happen to our body, to our brothers and sisters. I don't know why I'm preaching this, because this was not really my plan today. The spirit of Antichrist brings division. The spirit of God brings unity. It tells us that this Antichrist speaks great words of blasphemy. That's going to be a great indicator of him. And, and I say, I don't think Barack Obama is the Antichrist, but he is an Antichrist. Let's see if I can find my note here. Okay. I don't think I put it in here. We've heard the, some statements that he has made, and this is what's interesting because in American history, now let me back up a second. We are so, it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're in Haiti, whether you're in America, Britain, you know, Ethiopia, the world evolves around that point in, in your life. You know, you pick up a map, you're seeing where you live. <laughs> That's where you see. And everybody thinks that the world evolves around them. And America is the same way. American Christians are the same thing. But let me tell you something. America has very little to do with last day's prophecy. Very, very little to do with it. I think she's in there. Most prophetic teachers believe that America's not even in last day's prophecy. 
it's kind of debatable either way. But I think this, that America is in there, but not much. Last day's prophecy evolves around the Middle East. It's not about what we're doing in America. It's about what's taking place in the Middle East. Uh, that is the... the, the Last day's prophecy is all about that, that region of the country and what's going to take place. <laughs> so what our president does or does not do doesn't necessarily carry that much weight in the uh, last day's prophetic thing, although it all ties together, obviously. But he, he made a, a statement one day mocking the Bible. And some of you will remember when he got up there and he said, well, what part of the Bible shall we follow? This is the president of the United States doing this. No president has ever done that. Never mocked the Bible publicly. He said, well, what part of the Bible are we supposed to follow? Leviticus, where, uh, where it um, condones slavery? Or shall we go with the part of the Bible that tells us to stone our kids if they do wrong? Uh, well, he said, or, or what should we go with the Sermon on the Mount? Who's so, that's so restrictive that even our own uh, Defense Department probably couldn't uh, go, abide by what it says. This is our president mocking the Bible, claiming to be a Christian. And he does that quite frequently. And I say this to say, I think we as Christians, especially in America, were given a, I don't know, a gift in that we were, we have seen through one man how easily the Antichrist is going to come to power. If you were to ask me back in 2005 or 6, there's going to be a guy with no credentials whatsoever, no background, never run a business, never run anything, really, a community organizer with very shady past, uh, strong Muslim ties, and he's going to rise up out of nowhere but be charismatic in his speech and run for president and win? I would have said, you're crazy. <laughs> it would not happen. But it is what happened. Because charismania, char a charismatic personality draws people in. This Antichrist is going to be a man of great charisma. The Bible says that he comes to power not through military minds. He comes to power through flatteries. This guy's going to flatter people in, and people will fall for it, just like they did. And then, to me, this was a gift to us. It showed us. It should be a wake-up call to American Christians of how the Antichrist is going to come to power. And believe me, many Christian people, quote-unquote, where their heart is, I can't say, many of them will follow this Antichrist. Because he's going to be charismatic in just that way. And he's going to come in as one person and evolve into another person, in a sense. That's what Scripture tells us. That, that, uh, that tie, that, that uh, the, the treaty is what I was trying to say, that there's going to be made with Israel. It seems to be the dividing point from when he quits being the nice guy and starts being the bad guy. Now, we've also had historical figures that gives us a little bit of insight into this Antichrist. When you look back at Daniel uh, in chapters 9, well, mostly chapter 9 and some in chapter 11, you see the rise of a man that a lot of people say is the Antichrist. But when you look at it, they're, they're, it's very clear that he's talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, which was a, a ruler of Syria uh, way back in the Dark Ages. But this man 
fit the mold of the Antichrist perfectly, and Daniel actually lays out some of his life. And if I had a lot of time, I would give you this. I'm trying to get to just the characteristics of the man, mostly. But this gives us a little bit of an idea. We see Antiochus Epiphanes laid out in the book of Daniel very clearly. He was an Antichrist. This man, he was nasty. This guy was a nasty man. He waged war against Christianity. He waged war against uh, God's people in Jerusalem and Israel. And to the point that he went into the temple of God and slaughtered pigs. Which is a huge abomination in the sight of God. The Israeli people, it was was an abomination before them. And the Bible gives us an indication of what the Antichrist is going to be like by laying out the life of Antiochus Epiphanes and then laying out the life of the future Antichrist. We also see that in Nero. There's a a comparison between Nero, who was in power during Paul's day, and Nero was a man who who basically set Rome on fire and sat back and played a fiddle while Rome was burning and then blamed the Christians for it. So the, the Christians had burned Rome. And because of that, horrible persecution came down on Christians and he, he wiped out the, uh, the Christian people. He killed many, many of them and, uh, uh, and defiled the temple and took the temple uh, articles and, and burned the, the writings and different things like this. And so the Bible shows these guys as an indicator of what the Antichrist will be. And we can learn from that. Now we have, down through the years, always heard that the Antichrist is going to be the Pope. See, this is the problem I have. Are you still with me? Am I putting you asleep? This is the problem I have with prophecy preachers. Prophecy preachers always get up here and say, this is how it's going to be. And this is who it is. And this nation is going to do this, and they're going to rise up, and that nation is going to do that, and communism is going to sweep the earth, and the Pope is going to do that. And you know what? They have no clue. You can dig in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and and Zechariah all you want to, and you are not going to have a clue how things are going to unfold. And the problem I have with these guys is not that they try to figure it out, is that they definitively say they have figured it out. They haven't. And I don't believe that God wants us to figure out who the Antichrist is. He does not want us to figure it out. The Bible is clear that he will be what? Revealed. Now what does that mean? Hey, well, he's going to have a big stamp right here. It says 666, I am the Antichrist. No. <laughs> he's not. But we know enough from Scripture to know when this man rises to power that these things are the things that are going to be shown in him. He is going to show forth these characteristics that tell us. The Bible tells us that he will have no regard. In Daniel chapter 11 it says, he has no regard for the God of his fathers. It tells me that he comes from at least a religious background, but he will not have any regard for the God of his fathers, but he also will not have... Uh, des- uh, a regard for the desire of women. Hmm. Oh, that's it. He's a homosexual. Not necessarily. When you get into the Hebrew, what that could possibly mean is that women will flock to him, but he will have no regard for them flocking to him. He won't care. He's got a passion. He's got something he's going to do. Is he going to be a homosexual? Maybe. <laughs> is he going to be... Uh, just a, a man who doesn't care because he's got a vision in his mind that he's 
I don't have time for that. That might be the case too. But we will know when he revealed, when he's revealed. Ah, now it fits. Now it fits. This is what I think we're supposed to do with Bible prophecy. Is look at what's going on and look at Scripture and say, Ah, that's how it fits. Now I know where we're at. The Bible says there will be a great falling away. We can look at Scripture and look at the world and realize we're in the midst of that now. Now, for years, people wrote about how that was going to take place. This was going to happen. And that's Catholicism was going to sweep the world. And, and you know, persecution was going to hit here and there. And, that, and that's going to cause us falling away. And then others say, well, the falling away is actually the rapture. So the rapture can't happen until the rapture happens. <laughs> Never understood that interpretation of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But uh, that's a catching away, so it's got to be the rapture. <clears throat> but you know what? Now we look at it and we see worldwide. Worldwide, not regionally, not some nations, worldwide, the world is turning their back on God. Yes. Not just America, not just Israel, not just Britain, but basically the world is turning their back on God. Well, well there's revival in, in China, there's revival in these other places. There are, in pockets. But the nations are not turning back to God. The nation as a whole is not turning back to God. Or turning to God. Some of them never have been a part of the Lord. So he will win this by flatteries. And we, I try not to speculate. I really, I don't want to speculate because I don't want to fall in the same trap that irritates me about prophecy preachers saying this is how it's going to be. But we do start to understand how did Barack Obama become powerful because of this weird thing called the news media. Right? People turn on MSNBC and actually believe they're hearing truth. What is wrong with that thing? They, they actually think, well, maybe they're telling me the truth. And, and so the news media lines up behind this man and people buy it. And along with that comes Hollywood, who has a huge impact in the world. Let some celebrity endorse something and people will run and buy it. Why would I care? What Nicholas Cage likes. I don't understand that. You know, oh, I have a, a celebrity. John Wayne used to do that. My favorite actor of all time, by the way. But he used to do that. You know, they would have him endorse something. Oh, people would buy it because John Wayne bought it. Well, I love John Wayne, but I don't care what he liked. <laughs> you know, I don't understand celebrity endorsements, but they work. And the media sold. The United States, Barack Obama. The Hollywood elitists sold America, Barack Obama. And America bought it. This is how he's going to come in on flatteries, I believe. That the media is going to be behind this Antichrist. The entertainment industry will be behind the Antichrist. And they, they are, this is a powerful force. It's a powerful force. Our kids fall head over heels over whatever's going on in Hollywood. You know, let some Hollywood celebrity do something and oh my goodness, change their hairstyle. Remember when Hillary got into the White House and all of a sudden all the women's hairstyles changed to Hillary's? I used to call it the Hillary haircut. It was like, wow, oh, Hillary changed her hair, let's all do it. <laughs> and whenever they do this, it just shows the way that we as, and I say America because I'm here. I don't know what they do in the rest of the world as far as that. But in America, let a celebrity do something, somebody, people grab it. This Antichrist is going to come in with that kind of endorsement, that kind of flattery. He's going to come in with no real resume. He's not going to need a resume. The Bible says he basically comes out of obscurity. 
just like our president did, just come out of obscurity. Uh, I, I venture to say in 2006, most of us have never heard of the man. <laughs> he just all of a sudden was there. Let's look at First John. I know this is not a fun subject, but I think it's something that is very important for us to look at because if we're not careful, we will get wrapped up into something that's not beneficial to us, and that is antichrist seeking. First John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. First, I'm sorry. Let me see if I got that right. Yeah. Okay. Verses 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not at all of us. Now this is something we got to understand about the Antichrist spirit. It is counter to God. That's what Antichrist means. Christ, anything completely opposite, is Antichrist. Alright? Truth, this Antichrist is a deceiver. He is, a, he is one. And yet, let me tell you something. People love to be deceived. They love it. They eat it up. People love to be lied to. <laughs> Say, no I don't. Yes you do. Well, you know, you go down there to the car lot and they have the big thing saying, oh, I'll sell you this car for $49 over invoice. And you go, oh boy, I get a deal. We go down there and buy it. You think they're selling you that car for a profit of $49? Come on. Really? But people fall for it. They love it. They eat that up. We go into J.C. Penney's and gotten in trouble for doing these ads lately of doing these big sales, you know, and they jack the price up three times and then they, they drop it in half and they say, we're having a sale, 50% off. You know, and people are being lied to, and they know it. We we like things that tickle us sometimes. Just tell me what I want to hear. But this this antichrist will be such a deceiver, and people will flock to him. And and sometimes deception feels better than truth. Sometimes a lie is more comfortable than the truth, right? I mean, when you go up to somebody, when you go, you ladies go up to your husband and say. How do I look at this outfit? Yeah, he knows better than to tell you the truth sometimes, right? Um, yeah, you look great, man. Yeah. God help you if you say, well, that really doesn't look good on you at all. Life is about to get complicated. <laughs> you just think she wanted you to tell her the truth. <laughs> and so this deceiver is going to Play out a message to people that they're going to eat up. It's going to feel so good to them. It's going to feel comfortable to them. And that is the spirit of Antichrist. We already see that taking, uh, take, taking root in the world. It seems like the world enjoys lies more and more all the time. And he tries to tell it, even now there are many Antichrists. And see, this gets, this is a part I always get in trouble with. Over and over and over, and I keep hammering this home because we need. Let me let me back up one more time and say this: We got people chasing spiritual gifts all the time. They want to speak in tongues. They want to prophesy. They want to have the gift of healing. If you were to ask me what I think the most important spiritual gift that you can have is discernment. I think we need people with discernment. 
There are people preaching everything under the sun and there are crowds flocking to them. I'm going to get in trouble one time. Go ahead and get ready. But when 7 million people will turn on Joel Osteen every Sunday morning, there's a problem with discernment in the body of Christ. I hear prayers. <laughs> there's a problem in there. This deception is going to be so rampant. What is preached is opposite of what the Word of God tells us about Jesus Christ our King. When it is about man-centered, what does it say in Daniel chapter 11? He is not going to have regard for the, the, the God of his fathers. He's not going to have regard for the desire of women. And he is not going to have a desire for any God, is what it says. Because it will, and to put it in the lamest terms, be all about him. Now, wouldn't you think that would be a turnoff? Somebody is so arrogant. And that's what the scripture tells us. He is boastful. He's arrogant. This Antichrist is boastful and arrogant. The opposite of a child of God who is to be humble. The opposite of Jesus Christ who came in as a humble servant. When God's men will get up there and allow people to fall down in front of them and near worship and inhale them and exalt them. And all. What did Peter do when they fell before him? He grabbed them and said, Stand up. Get on your feet. I am just a man. Don't you ever fall down in front of me. Don't you ever do that to me. But we have so many that are accepting and drawing that worship. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. And again, I think our president has been kind of a forerunner of that. Never before has a president of the United States been called a Messiah. Or the anointed one. <laughs> the anointed one. The media in the United States repeatedly referred to Obama as the anointed one. As the Messiah. That's scary to me. Wow. Now, the man claims to be a Christian. What would a Christian do? Running for the presidency, or if he was president and they called him the Messiah. He would break his leg running to the microphone to say, don't you ever call me the Messiah again. Don't you ever call me the anointed one again. But instead he goes, oh, bring it on. Bring it on. That's Antichrist. Opposite of Christ. Truth on Christ's side. Heresy. Lies on the Antichrist side. Humility on the side of Christ. Boastful arrogance on the side of the Antichrist. All these things line up in complete opposites of one another. Everything about this guy will be about him. But that's becoming so normal today. It's all normal. That spirit of Antichrist is getting to where it has become all about me. We live in a me generation. Preachers are preaching a me gospel. And I, I know I hammer it home. I'll probably always hammer it home because it's the opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you go to a church and you're hearing a sermon about how wonderful you are, that's called heresy. That's what that is. When you're, when you're hearing all about you and it's all about how you can get and you can have and you can be and all that, it, that is called heresy. It is antichrist. Because, but it's becoming normal. Isaiah chapter 59 before I get hogtied and thrown out of here. Isaiah? <laughs> Isaiah 59. <laughs> I 
The thing we got to understand about the Antichrist is he's going to come out with a vengeance against God's people. First of all, against Israel. Next, against us, who are the adopted. The adopted children of God. He's going to have a vengeance. And the Bible says it's going to be given to him for three and a half years to wear us out. There's something to look forward to. <laughs> for three and a half years, he's going to have it in his hands to wear us out. But the Bible says that the earth, the earth will help us. What that means, I don't know. That means fruit's going to grow up and feed us when we're hiding in the wilderness. I mean, really, you look at uh, Matthew 24, and it tells us, get out of town, basically. Get out of Dodge. When you see that stuff happening, get out of there. <laughs> and, and Revelation tells us the woman ran into the wilderness during this time. So there may be a time when we just have to run, but the earth will help us during that time. Isaiah 59, verse 17, it says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his ad adversaries, and recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Hallelujah! When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of Almighty God will raise up a standard up against him. The Spirit of Almighty God will not leave you abandoned during the time that comes. Amen. The Spirit of Almighty God will not leave you hopeless. He will be with you. I've often said, you know, we talk about the last day's stuff, and, and, and pre-trippers say, well, we're just going to be out of here because we won't go through the wrath. You won't go through the wrath, folks. You won't go through the wrath. When God and the Scripture tells us, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Where was Noah? He was on a boat right in the middle of the, <laughs> the, the, the wrath of God. But he was not touched by the wrath of God. We will never, as children of God, face the wrath of God. Praise the Lord for that. And when the enemy comes against us, let me tell you something. I would rather have God on my side and the enemy against me than be on the enemy's side and have God against me. <laughs> we are in good shape, folks, because the God, the Almighty King of Kings, will raise up a standard against that enemy as he comes in like a flood. And he will stand for us. And he will be there for us. Does that mean that we won't have to give our life for him? We might, but he will give you the strength to do it when it comes. Does that mean we won't be persecuted? We might, but God will give you what you need at the time. The enemy is about to rage against the world like we've never seen before. But our God is going to raise up a standard and he will carry his children through. Folks, we don't have to live in fear. We are in victory. The Antichrist can poke his head up and we can look at him and say, yep, there he is. But I serve my God. Amen. I serve my God. The world 
will flock after him. Who, what does the scripture say? Those who are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Yeah. Folks, Lord. you won't be wondering, is it Obama? Is it Kissinger? Is it? You won't be wondering. When he raises up, it will be revealed to the children of God. You will know who the Antichrist is. And it will be a sign that things are about to get interesting. But God will be with His children. You will never be abandoned. You will never be forsaken. You will never be alone. God will carry you through. The, 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 the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. Nero was called the Savior of the world. That's Antichrist. We serve the one and only true and genuine Savior of the world. Amen. Father, thank You for Your Word and the power of Your Word. Help us to never fall into looking for Your enemy. Help us, Lord, to always be looking for You. Lord, when that enemy raises up, I pray, God, that You will help us to just acknowledge who He is, but intensify our walk with You. Help us to never put our faith in, a, in an empty system, in an ungodly system. But Lord, You are our God that we serve with our whole heart. Lord, You are our Redeemer and our Protector. Hallelujah.